you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. It's the footballiest time of the year. Hi and hello. Happy holidays, I guess. I don't know if happy really applies here. It depends who you are and what football team you root for. Either way, hi and hello, and welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program, presented as always by Head and Shoulders. Week 16 is a wrap. Christmas is now upon us. Week 17 awaits. Let's say hello to the man seated to my immediate left. But first, before I do, I want to say uh, Kyle Rudolph, one of our favorite guys in the league, one of the nicest guys in the league. We've been on a run with uh, talk, getting to talk with uh, some of the Walter Payton Men of the Year nominees. We talked uh, last week. I encourage you, Nate Demand, go back and listen to Cam Hayward, Whitney Merciless, two great fellas there. And uh, like I say, Kyle Rudolph. Uh, just fresh off those two touchdown passes he caught on Sunday in a big win for the Vikings. In the meantime, like I started to say there, the voice or uh, one half of the great radio team on uh, on uh, the Los Angeles Chargers game calls and also move the sticks himself, draft scout extraordinaire, so on and so forth. It's Daniel Jeremiah. What's the poop, fella? And Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Fun to be back, Dave. It's been a while here. I always am uh... – I'm always one to point out where you get your start from, mm-hmm. and not that we've had any uh, tremendous success, but I always am uh, am one to say thank you again for. Oh, Pisha, not at all. Uh, that was a, that was the, the easiest call. The I don't know that some of the other folks that have got their start under you are quite as thankful. It's all I know. It's not Thanksgiving. It's Christmas, but uh, nonetheless, I carry a thankful heart, and I'm, I'm very thankful for what you've done for me. While others may not be as, as thankful, <laughs> but they won't go. Name. They don't need to name. Pipe it. down, you. But listen. Uh, much uh, much obliged, and uh, and uh, congratulations on App State this year. Oh, great year, man! And I did you see who we just hired. I did see that Ken Dorsey. That? Tell me, he can recruited down there in Miami, huh? That yeah. name's got to sell a little bit down there. Yeah, for sure. Good for you. Yes, uh, good season's tidings for you. Despite the Chargers' loss on Saturday night there in Carson, California. Yeah. Let's uh, let's do some quick reaction here. It's uh, it's Christmas after all. I don't want to hold up anybody, including the listener. Although I will say we do appreciate you for another great year, um, of following along with the DDFP and uh, coming up on Thursday. The 23rd-ish annual Shecky Awards. Ooh, will be am I up for anything this year? No, you didn't get nominated because you weren't in, as you mentioned. Wow. You didn't. How could you be nominated oh, wow. for anything? Hey, look, if they don't ask you to be in the movie, you can't complain you don't get nominated for an Oscar. Your, uh, your radio pal there, Matt Money Smith, was – well, he was nominated for our favorite non-football playing colleague, mm-hmm. but he ruled himself out by attacking senselessly about a fortnight ago the Apple – you know, multiple winner of uh, Shecky Awards. Yeah. Yeah. And then touting Mango and Pear. Who likes those? The foo-foo fruit. Yeah. Yuck. Matt Money Smith. Talk to him next time you see I'll him, work would on you it. please? I'll work on it. Anywho, um, all right. Let's get through it as quickly as we can go for here. It. One, let's go to week 17 first. What chance do you give Baker Mayfield of going into Charm City and coming out with a W? I'll give him uh, – 
35 to 40 percent. I, think I don't think it's that. unreasonable. I don't right? think it is either. Look, they've already beat the Ravens earlier this year. Now, this is a right. different Ravens team here uh, with Lamar Jackson. But I'll say this, having just seen this team in a game that they thoroughly dominated against the Chargers. I mean, line of scrimmage, they dominated the whole game, Dave, and you're sitting there with two minutes to go, and Phillip Rivers got first and 10 on the 39-yard line to go win the football game. So the nicest thing you can say about the Ravens, obviously the defense, they smud, they're smothering, they run the football. They don't score a ton of points. So they're always in every game because of that, but so is the opponent. And that's where I think Cleveland Browns, hey, if you you get a couple big plays, or I want to say I saw this somewhere, maybe a big pass interference penalty, uh, so to speak, down the field. Mm-hmm. You don't need many of them. If you can get three or four of those big plays, you've got a puncher's chance. Now, I think the Ravens are a better football team, but I think they have a, they have a shot. I keep saying it, and uh, I'll say it to you now. I feel like in 2018 with these electric offenses, and certainly the defenses league-wide have kind of risen up now and uh, and uh, salvaged some dignity here as uh, the regular season finishes up, but I do think that the Ravens present in a world of those fastballs just a knuckler, and nobody is prepared for that. There is no uh, pro football team playing this year that is constructed to try and stop the 1983 uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers offense. Yeah, look, I give Lamar Jackson a lot of credit because he threw the ball as good as he's thrown mm-hmm. it so far in that game against the Chargers. Made some big plays, and including the big one down the field, the tight end for the long touchdown. The, the play of the game, obviously, because you feel like, okay, River, okay, now they're going to win this game. But this is not a shot at Lamar Jackson or this offense. But if you talk about the offense before the defense, you bury the lead. Because they can't play like mm-hmm. that offensively sure. if they're not getting stops. If they get behind in games, I don't know if this offense is going to be able to function in the way that it's been functioning. This team starts and ends with their defense, and they are – big and physical at the line of scrimmage. They're huge at outside linebacker, so it's tough to get to the perimeter. And they're big and physical at the corners. When you look at Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey, those guys are enormous. And so you watch the Chargers, as I do every week, and teams have a tough time. Either you have the size maybe to match up with the two Williams boys, but then you don't have anybody to go inside to, to check Keenan Allen. Well, they've got Tavon, or Tavon Young, who's one of the better nickel corners in the league, who did a nice job there in the slot. So uh, they can they can give you fits, not to mention all the disguises that they can give you when you've got two really intelligent safeties uh, when you've got there with Eric Weddle as, as well as Tony Jefferson, who played a great game the other night. Yeah, and uh, they turned the ball over a little bit. That's been the Ravens' bugaboo, which is inexplicable, is that uh, for being the number one uh, defense, they have not been doing a good job of turning yeah. it over. If they can keep that going into January, I mean, I know it's unlikely that a team – but they're, but it's the perfect formula to take on the road in the postseason. Because I've talked to a lot of guys. I know you know it better than I do. If you're a road team, that brand of ball is is bedeviling to yeah. the home team. If you find yourself at halftime and it's a one-score game and they're grinding it out and it's not just the game that's hanging in the balance but your entire season, you can't get the ball back because Lamar yeah. Jackson keeps handing it off to one of those big guys behind him or running it himself. It it's drives you crazy and forces you to – it makes you press, as a, especially if it's like a Patrick Mahomes type. Yeah. I definitely could see him pressing in a big spot there. I don't think anybody, you know, that's the old line, right? Who don't you want to see in the postseason? I think everybody would say the Ravens just because it just gives you fits. Now, that being said, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they were the representative in the Super Bowl. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost to Cleveland this week and they'll get into the postseason. Absolutely right. So it's t- But it's t- kudos t- to you one way or the other because you did say, I remember sitting there in August with you in the NFL green room, and you said, you know who nobody's talking about who's going to win that division and is going to make some hay is uh, the Baltimore Ravens because they're going to have the best defense. And uh, that was a real – the only thing close to that was James Jones saying, watch out for the Indianapolis Colts this year. Those are the – 
those are the one and one a great calls. I mean, in a world of I said it, I said the Chargers and Rams in the preseason. That's not that bold a prediction. You're, I mean, we're saying Ravens or Colts in the preseason. Well, plus. I mean, here's the thing. I don't want to keep patting myself on the back here, but let me go ahead and do that mm-hmm. for a second here. I also said the Seahawks would be a five and eleven team. Uh, nice, maybe nice. off by a smidge there. Right. Uh, I said the Jags would be a thirteen and three team. <laughs> Slightly off on that one. Uh, let's see what else did I have here. Uh, th- those are the ones that jump out to me. Well, I'll tell you, with, uh, it's funny because I do remember that uh, conversation, and I said, we "You watch the green room." We were. In the I said, room. "I remember." Oh, yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. We were playing guess the fi- the yeah. season final record. I wish I would have had a pen out and written these all down to see how you oh, and I. I, think, uh, I think I had uh, Minnesota. 12 or 13 wins. You did love them. I said, oh, come on. It's, yeah, this, the no packs way. are going to come back. I also said the Lions were going to get into the postseason. That was one of my worst ones. Um, and I said that the Texans would win the AFC South. They still might, but obviously the Steelers and Kent Brown and I behind the glass there, two Steeler guys, we'll talk about it for a couple of minutes once uh, once you get to escape here in Studio 66 so you don't have to hear the tears uh, filling up the studio here. But the Steelers, obviously, that's a devastating loss. But who do you think is really kicking themselves right now? The Texans, the Chargers. Do, they, do you yeah. get the vibe from the Chargers that, especially with the Chiefs' loss, and you wonder as human it's beings, do they do they play differently in Seattle on Sunday night if they see that the Chargers had won? I don't know that the game turns out any differently up in Seattle. They, re- I mean, the Chargers have to now be thinking, we were the one seed. Oh, and one to the five, that's a heck of a And there. I keep pointing this out. Remember, it doesn't. Fe- it feels like yesterday that there was this sort of plague that no number one seeds or two one seeds never met in the Super Bowl for a long time. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, over the chalk. last five years, chalk. if you look at it, right, nine of the ten Super First Bowl participants have been ones, and the two seed was the Atlanta Falcons who gave up 28 I saw. I saw actually a really creative bit somebody did on that where they talked about people wanting a buy for Christmas. I don't remember who it was, but it was really well done. I, you know, you I don't do, remember who it was. You should do something like that. I can't, I can't keep up with that guy because that guy was ruggedly handsome. And he, I mean, he was, he was fun, but he also, like, he really made a lot of good points, that guy. Disarming is kind of the way. Yeah, I, yeah. Do you think the Texans really gave it away? Because I like that team. I like the formula. Deshaun Watson, Nuke, being able to run the ball a little bit. It was coming on in the second half of the year. And then that defense. But I feel like that's a major loss for them now requiring them to go on the road. I don't know that the Texans uh, are in Atlanta. Well, all they got to do, right? They just have to uh, – well, they've got to win against uh, Jacksonville, then they'll win the division. So then they'll at least be home for for a game. They'll get that, but, but then they got to go either play New England or uh, right. So their first game is either is is likely going to be the Ravens or maybe it's yeah. the Colts. Then they'd have to go to Foxborough. Then they'd have to go to KC. That's a that's a tough path. It, it's a it's a tall one. And to me, the, they really had it though. Sean Watson was awesome in that game. Boy, he was lost huh? in the shuffle. And Clowney had a big time game as well. Their issues in the back end showed up. And then this offensive line that's been leaky for a while, I think he got sacked four times again. So he's been getting hit way too much. Last thing I always say, some people like to point out that the pro football season, like life, it's so short. It goes by, comes and goes. No, no, it's long. And you think back, I always point out uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. That was this season. So the, the, <laughs> Fitz magic, it's yeah. everything. The chains and the beard All the, and the whole deal. Remember that? That was this season, everybody. There are so many examples that I could point at. I remember when the season. Seahawks were like a punchline at the and not I mean yeah. at the end of September it's like that team and yeah. now they're one of the worst teams in the NFL yeah, yeah. absolutely um, that's true but okay 
before the season, last spring, last fall, probably right around this time. In fact, you gave it to me. You were steadfast in saying, Sam Darnold, number one, do you still go win, play, show? I do still think that there's a very good chance, the more we see, that all five of these first-round QBs are going to work out. Win, play, show it for me, though. Half decade from now, how do we see these guys? Um, Look, it's obvious for everybody to see Baker Mayfield's had the best year. Sam Donald, two years younger. I think Sam Donald even has a little more upside once they surround him with some help. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to bail on that. I, I I do agree with you. I said this was the best quarterback class that I had ever evaluated going back to 2003. I think five guys are going to be long-term starters for their teams going forward. But if you ask me six years from now, we're looking back, how does it look? Um, I would say coming out, I had it Darnold, uh, Rosen, Mayfield. And I'll say now looking back six years from now, we'll talk about Darnold, Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. Ooh, so Ro- Ro- I, I think this thing with Lamar Jackson can work the way the, with this team. I don't know if it would have worked no. with another team, but we, coupled with the defense, and they are always going to have defense there. I know Ozzie Newsom's moving on, but Eric DaCosta will take over there. They they know how to identify defensive talent. So having a defensive. Uh, a talent-rich team with Lamar Jackson, I think it'll work. Okay, l- actually, last thing is um, the, uh, you know, guys in both buildings there down in Jacksonville and in Philadelphia, I said it. People all made fun of me. Oh, that's not going to happen. Everybody knows Carson Wentz is more talented than Nick Foles. It still can get in his head, even in 2019, if Foles isn't there. It's still going to get in the kid's head. What if they say, we're keeping Nick Foles. If they, what if he takes him to the playoffs and he makes a little hay there? It's going to be awfully hard to say goodbye to Nick Foles. Carson Wentz. If Hostetler won two Super Bowls, does that change? Would that have changed things there? With I mean, listen, I, I, I obviously I'm a, I'm as uh, much it's, a pedigree snob as anybody else. I, I'm the biggest, the big. I, I always want first round. I want the yeah. the blue chip guys. I think they're going to win out uh, in the long run. But still, I think that the the reality is what the reality is. There, Carson Wentz to Jacksonville for a first round pick. Who says no? I don't think that. I don't think Philadelphia would do that. I think they, if they ever did decide to do that, which I don't think they will, I think you could get more than a one. Um, the interesting thing with it's him, a high was, one, if Jacksonville was willing to give it up, and it would that would make sense for them. Well, my my thing is, if you're gonna if you're gonna throw something out there and have some fun with it, why not throw another name that had been rumored from Jacksonville to be on the block at one point in time that had to get poo pooed in the middle of the season, a rather talented defensive back for the Jags? Would you do that straight up? Really? Oh, that I didn't hear that. But so oh, Ramsey there was, there was, for there Wentz. Was rumors, there was rumors in the middle of the season that Jalen Ramsey might get traded at the trading deadline, and then the Jags actually issued a statement and said, "There's nothing to that. He's not getting traded." But it's just a, if we're going to play pretend, would you, who who wouldn't do it if it was if it was Wentz for Ramsey? I don't think the Eagles would do it, but it's a fun. I think the Jags would be loco to give that, give that piece up. Gold is valuable because it's rare, and rare is the lockdown corner Car- Carson in 2018. Wentz, when everybody was healthy in this offense, was on his way to being the MVP of the NFL last year. That wasn't that long ago. Nope. Hey, listen, Andy Dalton was on his way to being an MVP three years ago. Derek Carr was on his way to being the MVP two years ago. Things change fast, you know? I, look, all, all I can say is on that subject of Wentz and Foles is that Foles has been operating this offense better. You can say somebody else is a better football player and somebody else has been operating better within this system. I think that's true. All right. Great stuff, as always, from uh, one of the best guys, uh, not minutes, just in. Two minutes extra, by the way. Really? It's oh, holiday God. season. Timing right. it. Yeah. He timed it. Yeah. How about that? And 
listen, what a what a what a generous soul. Go, go, Move go, over, go, Santa. Go, go, Make go some room for DJ. He's throwing out minutes from the from. I guarantee the you, Rudolph's not giving you extra two minutes. One of the uh, one of the loveliest fellas you'll ever come across, not just in uh, the sports media, but in uh, on the Big Blue Marble. Daniel Jeremiah, Merry Christmas, Pally. Have a uh, great holiday with the family, and uh, and uh, may your Chargers have some success in January. We'll look forward. I told Money too uh, that radio team is truly dynamite if you get a chance to catch them on the call make sure you do like i say kyle rudolph coming up but let's get into it here uh kent behind the glass kent brown sitting in there for uh, mvp today and uh eddie spaghetti they're off doing whatever on the east coast dude it's appropriate you'd be in here dude because the Pittsburgh steelers are the subject that everybody's buzzing on dude after the game in new orleans how say you? I think it's a really disappointing fourth quarter in a game in which, and you, I know I kind of disagree with you on the whole element of a penalty call here and there. It does change the game, but when you look at it, they overcame the early pass interference call. They took the lead. They had multiple chances to go up two scores, and you have a fumble by Ridley in the fourth quarter. Killer. You have a Juju Smith-Schuster fumble. You have the fake punt call, which I'm just not sure in that situation. Maybe they saw something on film. They were waiting for it. A lot of times, special teams coaches wait for that, and there's reasons you're going for that. But they had multiple blunders that cost them that game in the fourth quarter. And I think if you look at the Saints, it's a game that they needed as well. Like This wasn't a game where the Saints just sat back and said, hey, we can win next week and still get a home field. They wanted to wrap this up and beat a contender. And Big Ben played awesome. It was hey, probably one I of mean, the that, better games he's played, and yet they still couldn't I find agree, a way to win. I agree, but that's kind of the point. That is what is vexing about all of this. Yes, the big picture is. I am not – I mean, if anybody's listened to this show uh, for any amount of time, obviously I have a rooting interest. And by the way, anybody who knocks me for that, I mean, I don't know what reality you live in that I would <laughs> that I would uh, find my way into talking about pro football for uh, for my career, but not have any rooting interest is a little bit crazy. However, because I'm not a nine year old person, I am able to separate what I want to see happen and what I think will happen. That's why I thought the Saints were going to win. That's why I said the key, the X factor in the game would be Alvin Kamara. I think on some level he really was because that uh, the clever little play he made at the side sideline at the end of the first half really got them in the field goal range and what's the margin of victory three and the big picture for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2018 as I've consistently said and what I've said about the Tomlin era is it is an insane kryptonite that is not just for wow that's weird for a couple of years the Steelers have lost to bad teams on the road this has been for 12 years this is a plague on Tomlin's coaching career, the inability consistently to go on the road and take care of business against these bum teams may well have cost them a playoff spot in 2018. And when you do have perhaps the best offensive line in the game, future Hall of Famer, no matter what Cam Jordan thinks, at quarterback, the best wide receiver of the 21st century, plus Juju Smith-Schuster, plus some very nice at minimum defensive pieces. And I think that's something to not sleep on is what that defensive front has evolved into in the second half of 2018 with Tuit and Hayward and Hargrave and T.J. Watt is really high end. Yeah, I think. you can make a pretty good argument. In fact, I don't. I think the Saints are maybe the only other team you can make this argument about. Is the Steelers probably have the best set of lines in the entire NFL when you look at their defensive hmm. front, their offensive front, 
who's better than that? And usually that wins you games that will at least get you in the playoffs. And then you're right, A.B. is one of the best two or three receivers I've ever seen in my lifetime. Big Ben's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Juju looks to be a Pro Bowl level caliber receiver. Vance McDonald is a lot better than I think we would have thought heading into the year. And yet the mistakes continue to add up. The Raiders losses, the Broncos and the Raiders losses, you can't lose both of those. You really no, shouldn't lose right. either well, of They those. win one of those. The Steelers yeah. are essentially in the postseason at this point. And you could potentially have a bye. I mean, think about it. They win both of those games. They could potentially be a team who ended up with the two seed, well, beat the Pats, and it just shows like you there's Jerem- no team that wants to play them in the playoffs. No, like Jeremiah just said there, you know, that uh, how the way he described the Ravens is exactly right. The Steelers team at this point isn't even going to be playing in January, and yet if they get in there, they're they're a terrifying matchup for any team that you would see on the AFC side of things. Yes, I mean, that's the frustrating thing, the disappointing thing, the the crazy thing that with this talent, and not just that the sum doesn't equal the parts. If you want to point at, uh, I don't know who, the Jags of 2018. Wow, everybody thought they were going to be awesome, like DJ said there. Everybody thought, oh, they're going to be 13-3. and three. They might uh, go to the Super Bowl this year. That's the sum not equaling the parts. The Steelers against the Chargers, who were on a positive roll coming into Pittsburgh. And then the New Orleans Saints playing for the number one seed with that, like you say, on the line with a chance to put their feet up in Week 17. And not the Steelers had both those teams beaten and massive awful, empirically awful, too, calls went against them. All I can tell you is this. Would they have scored had Steven Ridley uh, not fumbled that ball? Maybe. Would uh, would the Steelers have been better off punting the ball deep, and would Drew Brees have driven them down the field still had they not fake punted and failed there? Maybe. What I do know is the referees straight up gave the Saints a touchdown. Well, the tipped pass, too, late, and I think I texted you in the fourth yes. quarter there, whenever there was the call in the fourth quarter, it was a tipped ball. And when that happens, that's not interference. At that point, you can grab the receiver right. and throw him to the ground if you want. And The Michael I'm, Thomas catch, second foot taps down, ball gets knocked out. You could make a case right. that had they reviewed that that would have been reversed. I doubt it, but I do. But the, touch, the, the, the start of the game touchdown, you're right. The Steelers rally, they take the lead. And so I, I, on some level, it erases that terrible call. But the margin of victory is four. And the Steelers three. I, I, is three, and and uh, the Steelers gave up a touchdown, or the referees gave the Saints a touchdown there. Not to mention Michael Thomas did push off on Joe Hayden on that uh, on that game-winning touchdown. I mean, it's it's clear as day to look at it. That's one thing that's funny is they're so NFL officials now are ready to throw the flag, and I know our our buddy Eddie Spaghetti was all over it on Twitter yesterday discussing this, saying just they're calling flags left and right on pass interferences, but you almost never see offensive PI called. Maybe once a weekend, if that, and yet defensive pass interference you see called it seems like four, maybe five times a game, and I don't know why they're not a bit more consistent with that in that you know sometimes you're fighting for the ball, both guys, I get it, but if it's evident that a receiver does push a guy off and makes the play, you have to call it. And they almost never do, and I don't know why that is. I think maybe it's just they want 
to promote offense the way the league's headed and whatnot. But in reality, it just sends a bad message for all the officials in that you're calling seven PIs on defense, including that first one seven minutes into the game, which was just a laughable call. And then late in games, they're almost never calling offensive PI. It's really weird, and I don't really know why that's the case. I don't. What one thing I do know is that vapid cynics uh, the world over certainly on the banks of the three rivers today are pounding the table see people the the nfl don't like the stillers like every team who loses that is not the reality nobody is uh in new york or anywhere else on the uh, in football america plotting against your team that's that's not the case but it is correctable. That's what I would like to see. You could certainly make those things reviewable. That's what makes it crazy. Which one's the tougher loss? Because the Steelers, again, got swept by the AFC West. They went 0-4, which is, you know, you can't do any worse than that. I don't know if there's any other team in the league outside of maybe like the Cardinals or terrible teams that got swept by another division. Which loss probably is worse for you? The Raiders' loss on the road where it was just almost an inconceivable, like we all, we see this every year, or the Chargers where you're up 16 points, there's that tipped pass in the end zone, you get that, it's game over, and instead the Chargers are back within a score. I almost feel like the Chargers' loss was worse because if you win that game on a Sunday night, that's a statement win, it puts you as one of the top two seeds and everything's going your way, where the Raiders' loss, it's almost like, as you said, it happens every year with Tomlin. It's, but I would go Chargers. Honestly. I go Chargers, too, and it's a good point. And it's what is, you know, the the as I said maybe a month or so ago, um, I have decided best. I, I, I intellectually, at least, wish I could be. I wanted to be this guy, but as it turns out, after watching that Saints game, my heart is what my heart is, and I can't uh, I can't make a choice with my brain on this. But I would love to be a journey guy over a destiny guy. That's what the Steelers provide is um, unparalleled. At, I mean, I don't know of entertainment, suspense, whatever you want to call it, but yeah. it is it is the best movie in the NFL to to watch because of uh, the unpredictability of the team and the excitement um, of the individual players around it. The last thing I'll say about it is um is this yeah but I'm with you on the Chargers what Tomlin is able to do is and and you don't want to be in this position you know you prefer it's sort of the guns it's as we always talk about here on the show that it's the difference between a gunslinger QB and a surgical QB Brady Breeze guys like that are so accurate all the time and they're so consistent game in game out month in month out that um I mean, it's certainly enjoyable to be a fan of those teams and of those guys and everything, but there's an excitement level to it that the Steelers put themselves behind the eight ball and then they got to scratch their way out. The the Aaron Rodgers, uh, the relax and, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff and rallying and getting the team into the postseason is fun. It's not necessarily the best formula to win Super Bowls, witness the last decade or so, but nevertheless, Mike Tomlin, so they let games go, and it's and it's very upsetting and fa- and confounding and everything else against the Broncos and the Raiders. But the big picture is what makes them so ex- so enjoyable to to get behind and root for, and the reason why it's so disappointing today is because of the Chargers game, the Patriots game, the Saints game. When they play good teams, you see this team can beat anybody. They can beat anybody in in the NFL. Any team can beat any other team on a given day. But, I mean, this Steelers team can hang with anybody. They just went into New Orleans, and they had them beat. 
You know, they had that game with one extra play here. That with one, I mean, really, I, we can go through five plays in the second half that give that game to Pittsburgh. You yeah, know? they're one of those a first teams. down. I mean, I'm not talking about a splash play. I mean, one first down somewhere along the way there. Or the correct call on Joe Hayden. I mean, a little tug on the back of the jersey for Michael Thomas uh, inside the five yards. Maybe it's a little outside of that. Tugging him does not prevent Michael Thomas from getting to the ball. In fact, once the ball gets deflected, the ball is behind Michael Thomas. So, in fact, holding him for a split second gave Thomas a better chance of making the play on the ball than uh, he otherwise would have had. Yeah, it's also just, as you said, with the Steelers, anytime they're in it, if you look at it now, it's, what, eight years since – the Super Bowl when they went and played the Packers, Antonio Brown's rookie season. And yet every year, if you would have just said they're in the Super Bowl, they would have been pretty much 50-50, if not a favorite in most of those games. And it just kind of shows that they're more than competitive enough to always step up and beat whoever the best team is. But it's just been, and I know we talk Tomlin a lot, you know, you know, off the record here. What's the chances of him actually getting fired? I, I don't think it's likely. And frankly, I don't think he should be. I Wild think when it. you look at him, he's a top 10 coach, and I feel like he's earned the right for another season. But there are a lot of Pittsburgh people, friends of mine, I'm sure friends of yours as well, that are saying it might be time to move on. And I don't quite buy into that, but it's at least a discussion right now. Well, uh, I'll say that, yes, a lot of people are going to call for the head coach's head. This is something that happens in pro football when you – don't meet expectations, especially a couple years in a row. And in fact, over the last half a half decade, the Steelers are now, they had a Hall of Fame QB, best wide receiver in the game, and they had Levy and Bell, the best running back in the game. And that team is never going to get to a Super Bowl together. Um, that is now a certainty. Um, what I'll say in Tomlin's favor is that, you know, they didn't have Levy and Bell. They didn't know what that situation was. I don't think that's on Coach Tomlin. That's some disconnect or some miscommunication or however between Bell and Colbert and the organization and had there been some clarity there I can create a very simple path that the Steelers are a rugged a more rugged bunch in that they could have not um they, they I I suspect they would have spent with that 14 million the luxury of 14 million dollars suddenly in their bank account if Levy and Bell they know that they're going to deal him presumably they would have gotten a, they would have in fact, I, we, they definitely would have gotten a first-round pick had they tried to trade him away. So that's an extra first-round pick. But even by itself, if they let him go, they probably can spend on the Honey Badger, get him in, or another free agent to uh, to bring him in. Maybe with the luxury of two extra pi- of an extra pick, they can combine those two and go get a guy like Derwin James, and uh, and that would make them look very different. And in fact, that would make them yeah. look just about unbeatable. But as it is. They did catch some good breaks, relatively speaking, in the 21st century in terms of health this year. They didn't have really devastating injuries. However, they didn't have their feature running back, and they didn't know that that was going to be the case until week 11. They thought at some point they were going to get this guy, and they never did. One, and two, and maybe it's a little unfair to point at this, but the injury of Ryan Shazier is is a massive loss. So much of that defense was predicated around his athleticism and to create to caused a legitimate crater in the uh, in the franchise. And uh, you know, uh, well, good franchises would overcome that, and so on and so forth. But when the team is constructed in the manner that the Pittsburgh Steelers are constructed, which is to say, you have all that money tied up in your Hall of Fame QB. He's not making. He's not on some rookie deal. Plus, your best wide receivers making eighteen million. Plus, your running backs making fifteen million. There's not a whole lot of wiggle room. Why don't they have a better defense? Because they, they, they're not. 
a socialist team. They don't. They don't have. You have that. to draft so well for to pull that off. And look, Watt. They drafted him. He's turned out to be exceptional. But when you look at it, I know you tweeted earlier about you know Artie Burns hasn't really panned out the way that they would have wanted to. Xavier Howard doesn't like that they didn't take him. If you throw him under the Steelers roster, we can point fingers all day. I will say it's a fair not. It's it's not in a vacuum. Well, bad calls. You got to overcome bad calls. Well, tell that to the Patriots against David Tyree. Though I mean, they they would have won the game if the referees would have thrown flags on uh, on the offensive line on Sean O'Hara's friends. Uh, that would that wouldn't have worked out in their way. I still have. Uh, I mean, that's just that, that's you can't separate that. I'm not saying it's the only factor. If Stephen Ridley didn't fumble, maybe the Steelers would have won there too. I have as a Miami Hurricane grad, and my brother played there. I still hear to this day, 16 years later about bad calls and Miami, Ohio State. And look, it is valid sometimes that if there's one call that goes this way, that team will win the game. But ultimately, I just I don't look at games and I don't think that just one call in and of itself changes everything. I do feel like ultimately it doesn't change everything. Teams, it changes a re- it changes what happens oh, and the sure. wiggle room becomes much less. You can get away with a crummy call against a bum team. When you're playing the Saints in New Orleans and they're as good as they are, they don't need help. And I'm not saying that there's willful help. I'm saying when when the uh when the uh, theoretically objective third party makes a mistake and it favors the already very difficult to be team. It makes it almost impossible that you're going to get over the hump. Who is going to get over the hump, though, Kent Brown? Who's going to go to the Super oh, Bowl from the AFC side? I feel like it is completely up in the air right now. Yeah, it is. I would say, let's just say for argument's sake, the Colts beat the Titans week 17. So then it's the Colts. And I'll just say, again, the Ravens could lose to the Browns. I think they'll beat them. But let's just say they're in. So those are your six. All six of those teams can get to the Super Bowl. I don't think it'll be the Patriots. I don't feel like the Patriots are anything special this year. They don't have that devastating offensive weapon the way they've had. With you know Gronk who their the devastating past. offensive weapon is? Well, Sony Michelle. No, Sony <laughs> Michelle. That's their devastating weapon. Uh, he, they, I, I suspect they would have won in week 15 had there not been all those holding calls. They, That's their formula now. That's clear. I don't and he's, he's their difference maker. Yeah, but I don't think he's a top-tier running back in the NFL the way some other guys are. I'll say the Pats won't win it. The Colts going on the road three times. They probably don't get it done. I, for some reason, I don't have a lot of faith in the Texans, especially now that they're not going to be the two seed. So that means it would either be Baltimore, Kansas City, or the Chargers. I oh, mean, I guess, I guess I would go right now, and I would lean towards saying that the Chiefs somehow get there. But I mean, I man, don't feel great about it. When you can grind them the way you can, yeah. Um, uh, with running the ball, that's going to be a bad spot if the Patriots show up in Arrowhead. I also think I, I, I'm going to stay with the, who I said in the preseason and go with the Chargers because I do think that the X factor, yes, Lamar Jackson and that team is capable of, given the way they're playing, they're capable of running the table in the AFC, but don't sleep on the fact that no rookie QB has ever gotten to a Super Bowl. Now, that's more of a recent measure because – realistically in 1975 there weren't very many rookie QBs uh, trying to carry a contender to a Super Bowl but in the 21st century people hand the reins day one to to their first round draft pick at QB and guys have gotten close but no one's ever even gotten to a Super Bowl 
with a rookie QB. So I don't think that the Baltimore Ravens are going to do it. And I think that that big spot on that kid uh, in week one, by the way, it would be the Chargers going up to Baltimore. Which I, is- I would pull for the Chargers if, if the AFC playoff picture set, sets up the way I just said, and it's those six teams. I think it'd be cool to see Rivers in the Super Bowl, to see the Chargers there. Sure. You know, there's a lot of likable guys on that team, and I feel like just the way they play, it would be fun to see them in Atlanta in the Super Bowl. So if that's the way it pans out, I'd rather see them than Baltimore or even Kansas City. The Colts would be kind of a fun wild card if they somehow get rolling and Andrew Luck just, we you know, knocks off the Texans right off the bat. Then he's going into Kansas City, nothing to lose. Maybe they knock them off. And then you get a game against either Baltimore or the L.A. Chargers. At that point, I there's know, a the ton are, going for the Colts. I know, but the Colts are a very nice story right now, and, they're, and, and they deserve – um, you know, the, the, the brain trust Ballard and the Reich deserve the praise that they're getting and nice story with Andrew Luck and everything. I don't think I, I they, they, I mean, just look at their last two games, look at the specifics right. of their last two games. They've not been good in, in two big spots. Now I do think that they will beat the Titans. The big one though, you say Browns will not be able to go in there and take care of business. I doubt it. I just feel like it's asking so much of a team in which they've probably over-succeeded in many ways the last seven or eight weeks. This is the Browns team. They have a ton of talent, but to expect Baker Mayfield and that offense to step up against the Ravens' defense and play probably an A game, I don't think that they're going to do it. If this game's in Cleveland, I would like their chances better, but I feel like with Baltimore, they're going to ball control the one thing Cleveland Look at the does Buccaneers well, game two weeks ago, oh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a real shot to beat the Ravens. Right. The, the Browns absolutely can win this game. Oh, for sure. I think, though, I don't expect them to win. And Lamar Jackson, I liked the way he was composed in the second half last week. I thought he played really well against the Ravens. And... Baker Mayfield's been on fire against but, the Chargers. The, uh, against the Chargers, great, yes. great throw. I mean, after the after the Chargers take the lead to come right back and and throw that strike. Don't you everything. feel like the Don't you feel like the Ravens are going to force at least two turnovers against the Cleveland Browns? And if they do that, maybe. But they haven't been. Is the point? They're you know going into this week they were 25th in turnovers. I think on the NFC side, I'm also going to stick. And this isn't just self validation. If you look at history, teams that are dominant coming out of the gate like that and then kind of hang on and they don't completely lose ground, which the Rams were in jeopardy of doing, and not coincidentally, it's because uh, their feature back, Todd Gurley, has has had the, the bum knee. But those teams that come out of the gate really, really good, eh, you know, whatever, they just hang in there. They just uh, kind of bide their time till the postseason. Those teams sometimes, very often um, – do go chalk, and they're a two-seat. I think that team goes to the Super Bowl. If Todd Gurley is okay, the X factor there, 16, is Jared Goff, who when he's seen some pressure, when we've seen him get some pressure, especially in the second half of this season, he has not necessarily responded to it. He, But I, I buy Sean McVay. I think, frankly, I think they're soft. I think they're going to lose to either the Bears, the Saints, or the Cowboys. One of those three teams will beat them if they play him. Todd Gurley's great, but we've seen the Rams go away from him when they've had a game on the line, and they trust Goff, and Goff seems to melt down when the pocket collapses. For some reason, I kind of have a hunch. Now, some of this depends on if Zach Martin's healthy, but I think the Cowboys might end up making I'm a run you. I'm in the playoffs. With you. And the Bears are a fun team. I feel like the Bears are a year away where, like, next year 
they might be the favorite in the NFC. I just don't think Trubisky will quite get them over that hump to end up winning three games in the playoffs. But I kind of have a suspicion that the Cowboys, now the the Saints would also, the Saints are clearly the favorite now that they have home field. But right now, I'm kind of going to go. I'm going to go Cowboys out of the NFC. I love the pick, and I love the Chicago pick, too. It's just, you know, how much faith can anybody have until you see the guy do it? You know, we don't know what Mitch Trubisky is going to be. There's evidence now in this century that a kid can go in there surrounded by heaps of talent and get by enough that you wind up in the Super Bowl. Look at last year's Final Four. Um what if well, we don't know what he's going to do. We what? don't know what he's going to – is he – is Trubisky. Is, I mean, even Dak Prescott, who's, I mean, played well two years ago um, in the in the playoff experience that we saw, was good against the Packers in that uh, in that memorable game. Um, but, I, you know, I always will remain skeptical until we see the guy do it. You know, everybody who, who tisk tisks, how about sleeping on the bed? Well, I don't, I don't know what he's going to be. I don't know wh- how he's going to respond to playoff pressure. That's a real thing. You've watched guys crumble from it. And how fun could those wild card matchups be if, let's just say, the Bears take care of business and beat the Vikings on Sunday? You could have Nick Foles and the Eagles going into Chicago, which would be a huge game, mm. and then Dallas versus Seattle. Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott – you know, Pete Carroll trying to revamp things for the Seahawks team. And then the Cowboys, I, again, there's just something about them right now that makes me think that they might make that run. Maybe they flame out and lose to the Seahawks and it's over. But this is a wide open NFL playoffs. Like, I mean, it is it, crazy it might how be, open it is. It might be all 12 teams. Let's just say the Colts again beat the Titans. All 12 teams will have a legitimate shot to say we can win three games or two games and get to Atlanta and play in the Super Bowl. And that's that's wild. It's usually maybe six, maybe seven or eight. All 12 are going to go in saying we're the best team in this conference well, and we'll be there. We'll get all up into all that business after week 17 uh, for you once we know everything all settled, all uh, regular season hash is settled. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, on Thursday, like I say, we have coming up the Shecky Awards, the 23rd-ish annual Shecky Awards. Uh, we'll see um, how it all shakes out there. I, I'm i going to say that, I, you know what? Bake, brownies, remember You're now. buying in? I don't know. I don't know. I just want them But to. if they win, does Greg Williams, he has to get that job, right? If they finish 6-2 and two with him and they knock off the Ravens and they finish over 500. Is he the coach heading into the next season? I feel I, like he probably is. Probably. But the 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 important thing to take away here is some people are saying that, well, the, the, the I mean, and it is kind of funny. Like if it was against, if it wasn't against the Ravens, rather it was against, let's say, the Dolphins or whatever, I and I were a Browns fan or I were Browns ownership or I were Greg Williams or any, or not Greg Williams because he's incented to win the game. <laughs> but I, I, if I were a longtime Browns guy, I would say, you dump that game. You like you you start you you don't even you don't even make a put on the charade. You just start. Um, I don't know. You start Miles Garrett at QB, or I don't know what you do. But Who do you they do the, hate more, the Ravens or the Steelers? I would do that. I it's exactly right. That's it. That's what you do. You tank the game and you make and and that's right in that's right in line with Baker Mayfield's mindset, staring down Hugh and chip on the shoulder and all that jazz. And you want to be a Browns legend forever. You tank that game to keep the Steelers out, except that the Ravens are more hated. They're the ones that they are. The, the Ravens are the ex Browns. They, right. they dumped you Cleveland. They moved the, they moved to Baltimore to get out of Cleveland. Yeah. That that's a bigger fish to fry from where I sit. You know, 
We we Steelers fans, we went out. Well, I didn't, but people went out in Pittsburgh when the Browns moved and people complained. They protested. Remember that, Ken Brown? No, no. They I mean, did. I, I believe it, but I don't remember that. We respect you. The Brad, the Ravens don't. The Ravens don't respect <laughs> you. They think you're gum on the shoe. And in fact, I hear they don't like you. I hear I hear that they think you stink. Let's start spreading that. That's okay. what we need. Let's start a big campaign, a grassroots campaign that puts it because Chip because uh, Baker Mayfield's Chip on the shoulder guy. Let's start sending him notes that like I hear Terrell Suggs thinks you stink. He like probably it may, does. That'll light a fire under him. Honestly, if 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 we started that, Terrell Suggs would probably just back it and be like, oh yeah, he does stink. <laughs> You're right. Marlon Humphrey thinks you can't uh, you can't beat him. Uh, Baker Mayfield, how say you? Why don't you show him something? Mar- Marlon Humphrey says. I'm going to beat you the same way that Alabama is going to beat Oklahoma this Saturday. He just goes all in with the that's Alabama right. Oklahoma love. I love that. That's a that's a all right. Let's get that going. That's that's what yeah, uh, we have. Kyle Rudolph, a Notre Dame guy, on the show. So yeah, we got to talk uh, a little. Look who's ready to playoff. make a transition here. All right, yes. Let's get into that. Let's get into the Viking uh, chances here in uh, the in uh, getting into January. Things are looking pretty good for them right now after the big win against the Lions on Sunday. Here he is, everybody. Kyle Rudolph. All right, here we go. I love talking to these guys that are doing uh, great work in uh, outside of uh, the stadiums and uh, and making society a better place. And one of our favorite guys to kibitz with about this, that, and uh, the other when uh, pro football and the game of life is concerned. It's the great Kyle Rudolph. How you doing, man? I'm well, Dave. How are you? I'm very well. Muzzle tough to you, first of all, on the uh, on the great nomination for the Walter Payton Man of the Year trophy. I say, by the way, best trophy in sports, maybe, or at least in the top three. Yeah, it's definitely an incredible honor. And, and to be the Vikings nominee this year, uh, there's so many great guys in our locker room and our Owners, ownership group, uh, Rick Spielman, they've done an unbelievable job in building this roster around a lot of high character guys. So to be the team's nominee, uh, it's very humbling. And, you know, my wife, Jordan, and I are very honored to be this year's nominee. Well, you really do a lot of great work. Tell us about the end zone, what you're doing with the University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital. Yeah, so my wife, Jordan, and I, uh, you know, the Vikings have had a long outstanding partnership with University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital. And um, we just wanted to do more. Uh, we started off with the, the patient visits that former teammates of mine started uh, and getting to know those patients and families. Uh, we just asked them what were some things that they needed. And we found out that um, a space to where they could kind of escape the hospital, um, where siblings, where friends that were visiting could go and hang out. Um, was lacking. So um, through my experience having a younger brother who was born with cancer and asking my parents what were some of the challenges they went through um, and getting to know the, par- the, the patients and their stories, uh, we came up with this idea of an end zone. Um, and we got about 2,500 square feet of video games, uh, a teen lounge, a full kitchen, uh, a reading forest, um, a basketball hoop and a, a arcade simulator. Oh man, it's it's just uh, immeasurably wonderful stuff that you do for uh, for those kids. I really uh, admire that more than just about any. I mean, I admire anybody who takes the time to do the charitable work, but that specifically is uh, is just really uh, meaningful stuff. I know that. Um, let's talk a little bit well, of. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Well, it, it, let's uh, let's shift to a little bit of pro football. 
And uh, I'll start with a, a little bit of a, a tough one here. What about all the criticism that is being leveled at your starting QB this year? Are, does that permeate the locker room on a daily or weekly basis? Are you guys answering a lot of questions about that? No, not really. You know, for us, we want to go out and, um, you know, as a captain of this offense and, you know, a guy that's obviously with Kirk in meetings every day, um, you know, when you're the starting quarterback and you're a franchise quarterback, you know, you, you get a lot of the blame when things aren't going well. And it's, you know, not always rightfully placed. You know, there's 10 other guys out there on the field that have to do their job. And, you know, we have to be there to help him uh, have success in his. So, um, you know, those guys get a lot of the credit when things are going well, and they take a lot of the blame when things aren't going so well. And it's, it's never just one guy's fault. Are you able to glean from him? I always talk about uh, the added pressure. You guys are human beings. I've met uh, Kirk a couple of times. He's a lovely guy um, who loves to give credit to his teammates and uh, depends upon them in order to be successful. But do you sense in him, for, for as well as you know him, that he feels added pressure for making that much mo more money than he's ever made and kind of looked at as, now the Vikings are really good because now we have a really great QB? You know, I think uh, Kirk puts a lot of pressure on himself because he's a competitor. Uh, he's one of the most competitive players that I've ever been around at that position, uh, whether it's a, a red zone period in training camp or, you know, a big third down on Sundays in the fall. Uh, he hates losing and he hates losing uh, individual situations uh, and certainly hates losing games. So uh, I don't think anyone outside of this building could put more pressure on him than he puts on himself. Uh, he, he's a big time competitor and he wants to win. Well, you guys with Dalvin Cook leaning on a little bit, how was that transition over the last fortnight or so to basically replace offensive coordinator and offensive philosophy? Well, I think the biggest thing for us was uh, simplifying things, getting back to things that we did well last year. You know, we won 13 games last year and we had a top 10 offense in this league. Uh, we ran the ball very efficiently. Uh, so we wanted to get back to some of those things. And, you know, I tell people all the time, the, the run game in this league is something that uh, it doesn't just happen. You know, you, you have to stay on schedule. When I say on, stay on schedule, I mean, you know, you can't get behind in the chains. It can't be first and 20. It can't be first and 15. Uh, you have to have positive plays on first down, and then you can't get behind on the scoreboard either. Uh, and this past Sunday, uh, we started fast. We got out to a lead, and then we are able to lean on both Dalvin and Latavius in the run game and, and ran for over 200 yards. Well, I told you this just before we got going on the air. I don't like that you guys and the Lions, you're in the NFC North and you put that dumb dome on your roof. Don't you see the advantage it would give you against teams like the Rams and Saints? Either way, you guys are lining up now. You may go, your first, if you go to the playoffs, you may go to Chicago. What's worse, to go play a, a rugged defense like that, especially out in the cold, or the mindset, we have to keep pace with this high-octane Rams offense, which which is more desirable from where you sit? Uh, that, that's a tough question. You know, both of them are hard, but I think the, the best thing about our team and the roster that we've built here, you know, we're comfortable doing either of them. You know, we've played both teams. Um, you know, we played out there against the high-octane offense, and, you know, we 
play, obviously play the Bears twice this year. So, um, you know, we have the roster to, you know, morph into either one of those. If we have to go into a slugfest on a chilly day at Soldier Field, we're comfortable with that. Um, or if we have to go out and, and get in a shootout, then, you know, so be it. Uh, whatever we have to do to win that day, we're going to go out and do it. Boy, it does feel a while ago, but that has to give you a little bit of confidence that you can keep up with anybody the way you guys played against the Rams. People kind of forget about that. You were right in that game. Uh, just about score for score for a long time there. So, yeah, I do think uh, you guys could uh, play both brands of ball. You can spread that around the locker room. Hey, great news, fellas. Dave says he thinks we can play either way, so we're in good shape. Uh, let's talk about I'll your – I'll do that. Yeah, oh, thank you, thank you. Um, and uh, let's talk about your collegiate team. What do you think about the Irish going up against Clemson? Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Cotton Bowl. Uh, you know, it's a great opportunity for, you know, Notre Dame to play in a – National semifinal bowl game. Um, you know, historically, uh, we haven't done so well in these big bowl games, and you know, it's a great opportunity. I remember uh, my first year in college, we were on a, a pretty bad bowl losing streak. Uh, I don't remember exactly how many years. I'm guessing off the top of my head about a 17 year bowl losing streak. Um, and we ended that streak my freshman year. And, you know, I remember kind of the bowl prep and going through all that and, and talking about how you can end a streak and, you know, go out and win a bowl game. And, you know, to me, I think these guys have an opportunity to go out uh, in a big-time game um, and kind of end that, that streak that we've had over the last couple big-time, you know, they were BCS bowl games, but now in the national semifinal. You going to make the prediction? You want to say it? Want to guarantee it? Oh, I I think the Irish win, absolutely. <laughs> I think it'll be a close game. Clemson's, Clemson's defense is for real, um, but I also think uh, people don't give Notre Dame's defense enough credit. Those guys up front really get after the passer, and Ian Book is playing really well on offense. Uh, last thing for you, I just I, I marvel at it. I was up at the Super Bowl um, in, uh, in one of the two Twin Cities, I forget which, um, and uh, I, I came away. I could not get over that the fan base there was so good uh, congenial about everything the week after I mean you guys almost had a home game how how much does that uh, stick in your craw I'm sorry to, to bring up uh, what may still be an open well, wound, I, but I I mean, they were so nice about like yeah, oh, have a I good was time. over it until now <laughs> I was over it until Darn, now Dave, but, now you, spoiled, you know it was <laughs> you were spoiled Rudolph's holiday that's that's the kind of people that are up here and you know those are our fans and um you know i i remember i've been to quite a few super bowls throughout my career in other cities and um being here it had to be 80 percent vikings fans and you know obviously we had just lost two weeks prior in the nfc championship game so you know they were hoping that we were going to be in it we were hoping that we were going to be in it um and i remember coming back you know i had flown back in town from orlando and uh, I really didn't think about it until landing at the airport and then seeing the city had transitioned in that week to having all the Super Bowl gear everywhere. And uh, it wasn't the easiest thing being I've, back home that week. I mean, I have no rooting interest with the Vikings. And I, I was still, I feel so bad. You guys could be hosting the Super Bowl. And now you still have to host it for the team that just beat you guys. But the people were so lovely about it. Hey, please enjoy your week here. Uh, we'll get another chance at it eventually, so on and so forth. Yeah, that was uh, great stuff. Last thing, Rudolph, as uh, that being your surname, do you feel, do you agree with my longstanding argument that Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, was victimized by Santa Claus and uh, that Santa was mean-spirited to him and then used him in his time of need, and Rudolph should have told him, hey, old man, you turned your nose up at me. Now I'm turning my red nose up at you. Fair or no? Hey, it's 
you know, it, it's not always pretty. Um, you know, I, my tight end coach uses the analogy of, of propane. Like you kind of take it for granted until you go turn your grill on and you're out of propane. Um, but propane <laughs> is just that, that steady stream. And, you know, when, when the fire hits the propane, then uh, you, you get that big spark. And that, that's Rudolph. You know, he, he, he laid on the side. He was left out of the reindeer games. No one liked him. Um, but when they needed him, uh, he came through. Kyle Rudolph speaking up for his brother. Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. Kyle Rudolph again, congratulations on the nomination. Uh, best wishes to you. Hopefully we'll see you playing in January. Good health to you either way, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you in Atlanta at uh, Super Bowl 53. Maybe you'll even be in one of those fancy booths that they put the players in, you know? So <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you some questions on media night. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me. There he is. The great Kyle Rudolph, everybody, doing wonderful work up there in the Twin Cities. All right, good times. What a great fella he is. Number 82 there. By the way, did you notice he caught a Hail Mary um, in Detroit in the exact same spot where number 82 Richard Rodgers of another NFC North foe caught a Hail Mary against Detroit two years ago. Three years ago was that? The Aaron Rodgers? Either yeah, way. It was, it was about a Thursday night game, I believe. But How yeah, about that? It's wild. I mean, he's six foot six. It's not that hard to believe he can go up and make the catch. How about this? You always talk about high school guys and guys I know. Kyle Rudolph went to the same high school as NFL Media's Chris Wessling. Is that true? Elder High School, Catholic school in Cincinnati. Now, they weren't the same class, obviously, but yes, Kyle Rudolph was an elder grad, and so was Chris Wessling. Two mentions there, uh, Kyle Rudolph, all the guys uh, with the uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominations, wonderful fellas, and uh, like I say, last Thursday we had Cam Hayward and Whitney Merciless in and uh, talking about their good deeds. Go back and check that one out. And uh, and in the meantime, have a Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays, all that kind of stuff. Um and, uh, and we'll uh, in the Shecky Awards, 23rd annual, coming at you later on this week. Thanks to you, Kent Brown, and uh, intern Cam, and Emma VP, and Eddie Spaghetti, and everybody else. Um, and thanks for listening all along the way here. The Dave Damashek Football Program presented by Head & Shoulders. We'll talk to you on Thursday for the Shecky Awards and then after Week 17. Until then, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.